It's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-age kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. We can get free college degrees based on all of the opportunities that are out here and available to our students. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience adversity. Yeah. Here's your host, Janita Bailey. Good morning. Welcome to School Days, help for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I'm Danita Bailey. In high school, I was an athlete, so I was very familiar with University Interscholastic League, or UIL, competition. I didn't, however, take advantage of any of the UIL academic competitions because I really didn't, I really don't recall knowing about any of them. So my first introduction to UIL academic competition was last year when I signed my third grade son up for the storytelling club. I really just thought it was a great opportunity to give him something to do after school that didn't involve YouTube kids and to help him work on his ability to speak and conquer stage fright. I had no idea that the club season would culminate in his competing in a UIL competition. His participation made me aware of a plethora of opportunities available to students to compete academically. And of course, I wanted to make sure our school day's audience knew all about it. UIL is only available to those of us who live in Texas. And I do realize that many of you live elsewhere, but there is likely an academic competition available where you are. And so I wanted to talk about the many benefits of encouraging your child to compete in academic competition. Before we go any further, let me just say it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or a nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in and add the hashtag school days show and hashtag I am school days. And also we want you to be a part of the show. So if you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 214-444-5575. Or if you're live with us on Facebook, you can drop us a question there. Without further ado, let's let our KidCasters introduce today's guests. Our KidCasters are sisters Layla and Elise Garrison. Let's start with Layla, who's an eighth grade student. Alana Clark is UIL Academic Coordinator at Mansfield High School, where she teaches AP Statistics and Advanced Quantitative Reasoning. After earning her BA in Psychology at Baylor University, Ms. Clark had a brief stint in the environmental engineering industry before moving back to her hometown of Mansfield, Texas to pursue her true passion, investing in the lives of young people and teaching statistics. She's a proud boy mom of two crazy kids, Tommy and Ziggy, and has one mantra for parenting and teaching, make this chaos count. Welcome to school days, Ms. Clark. <laughs> Hi, Alana. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And then uh, let's hear from fourth grader Elise. Dr. David Stevens serves as director of academics for the University Interscholastic League, where he oversees educational academic competitions for grades 2 through 12, involving over 500,000 student participants annually in Texas. Prior to his appointment in UIL, he served as an educator and school administrator in Texas for over 20 years. Welcome to School Days, Dr. Stevens. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. All right. So let's go ahead and jump right in. So David, can you tell us the history of UIL? Sure. UIL started, was started by the University of Texas at Austin in 1910 as a debate league and a community outreach program. Um, it's grown to be the largest interscholastic league of its kind with interscholastic competition. And uh, we currently, as the years went on, we added athletics, we added music and to what was already going on in academics. Uh, most states across the nation have an athletic association but very few have uh, the varied amounts of activities that UIL does. Uh, I think there's only about eight states in the nation who actually have the multitude uh, close to what we have. 
Um, academics offers 20 competition events in grades two through eight and 29 events for students in grades nine through 12. Um, we have an estimated of about a half a million students who participate in academic competitions statewide each year. Wow, that's a whole lot. And, you know, like I said, when I was in high school, I really didn't know about the academic competition. I was an athlete. And th- that I feel like is what most people know about is UIL uh, athletics. Uh, but you guys actually started in the academics. So that's, that's an interesting tidbit there. So tell us what your experience and I want to hear from both of you, what has been your experience in UIL competition? So I actually um, competed in UIL academics as a high school student. Um, I was, well, and even before that, I was in band. So I was always doing something UIL related um, from middle school onwards. But I stopped band about midway through high school and um, had a whole lot of extra free time. You band parents will know that for (laughs) sure, um, that band takes a lot. And so I still wanted to be involved in school. Um, I still really enjoyed competition. So I joined UIL academics and competed in several different math events, as well as the science event. Um, As a teacher, I have coached a couple of the math events. And then now I am the academics coordinator. Okay. And David? And I did the same. I I grew up in uh, UIL. I grew up in a small rural town in West Texas called Rotan, where uh, UIL was, the school was the heart of the community, and being involved in UIL was just an important part of that. So I started in third grade, I think, with storytelling. I did art in fourth grade all the way through high school. I participated in sports and band, and and it was just everything I wanted to do. So it afforded me scholarships to go to college and... uh, I've, uh, I loved every minute of it, and I'm just lucky I get to do it every day now. And so you you decided at some point to be a coach as well. Um, yes. When I was in high school, I would go to speech and debate tournaments, and I was in one-act play. And I loved being in the band in the fall, and I just knew I wanted to provide these same op- opportunities for students. And I thought the only way I can do that is be a teacher. I had mm-hmm. a lot of great role models as teachers, and so that's why I became a teacher and uh, loved every minute of it. And what did you coach? Um, I was a theater teacher, high school theater teacher through uh, all of my teaching career. And then uh, I spent 10 years as an administrator, as a director of fine arts for a school district. Okay, yeah. And so Elena, why did you decide to be a UIL coach? So um, I- Coordinator, is it called coordinator or coach? So for the specific different events that Dr. Stevens was mentioning, you know, the 29 high school events, each event has a coach okay. uh, and, and some coaches do multiple events. And so I currently coach two events and am the coordinator. And so the coordinator kind of oversees um, the logistics of getting us to competitions, hosting competitions, things like that. Um, so I can, I can answer both of why I wanted to coach and why I wanted to coordinate if Sure. I want to go there. Okay. So um, I'm going to kind of echo Dr. Stevens um, because it was something that I was involved in as a high school student. Um, it is an opportunity that I wanted to be a part of providing. Um, I think for most high school students, they wake up in the morning excited about the stuff outside of the classroom. And, and there are students, of course, that are really excited about what's going on in their classes. But if you ask an athlete why he's excited to go to school, it's his sport. If you ask mm. a band student why she's excited to go to school, it's for band. You know, they really love being able to participate in something um, that kind of has a community feel. They enjoy the competition. Um, and so I wanted to be a part of providing those opportunities for students as well. Um, also, I am just kind of one of those weird people who really enjoys paperwork and logistics. Um, <laughs> I like Me too. I'm right there with you. <laughs> right. I like checklists. I like deadlines. Um, I like the minutia of all of it. And so, and, and that is a lot of what being a coordinator is, is making sure your paperwork is done um, with the district, with submitting it to competitions. I'm super organized. Um, and I just... I'd like to be in charge a little bit. So it kind of all works together um, really well with these two positions. All right. Um, what are, what are, why do you guys feel like academic competition is important? One of the things you said is that, you know, it's one of the things, one of the things that makes them want to come to school. But 
Why, why do you guys think it's important? I'll just tag on to what Elena was already saying is it's, it's really one of the reasons I always joke about kids don't roll out of bed uh, to go to school to take their algebra tests necessarily, but they will go to school to do a competition. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a, it's motivating in that manner. Um, I think it's motivating in especially academic competitions and just getting their, uh, furthering their learning and extending their learning. I think it expire inspires their learning. More importantly to me, I think it also develops a healthy self-concept for those kids who, who, who love to study and love to excel in academic activities, similar to those who are very athletic and they excel on, on the field. Um, coping with subjectivity is really an, another important part of it. Many of our competitions are subjective in a way. We try to make them as objective as possible. But, and then I just think even more important in today's world is uh, teaching those kids how to be humble winners and gracious losers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Elena, when we were talking earlier, you talked, you said that it's something that builds grit without so much risk. Can you talk a little bit to that? Absolutely. So, um, I think it, it gives students the opportunity co to compete, which of course, um, like Dr. Stevens said, it builds that sense of um, self-concept and, and accomplishment and confidence, but it comes at really little to no risk to students um, in several different ways. If they excel or if they don't excel at UIL academics, it doesn't necessarily affect their grade, their GPA, their class rank. Um, it doesn't really affect their finances in a lot of places because UIL academics is one of, um, I think, the most affordable things for families and students to participate in. There's not really a lot of equipment that you need to buy. Um, most schools that I know of and districts that I know of cover the registration fees for competitions. Um, and so it's it's really little to no risk to students in that they they don't have a lot to lose by doing it, but they have a lot to gain. What kind of student, I would think just naturally that this is more of a, uh, something that's going to be of interest to a student who's uh, in one of your classes, Atlanta, like um, advanced um, class, but what kind of student is going to be more interested in something like this? Well, I think we really have all different kinds of students. Um, it is a lot of the time our students who do take um, Pre-AP honors, advanced, whatever whatever your school calls it, it is a lot of those students um, because usually those students kind of have um, a natural ability towards those subjects or they really enjoy them, so they enjoy the studying and the practicing. Um, but any type of student can compete. I mean, there are so many different events. There's an event for every subject. There is an event for, um, you know, kids who enjoy numbers and multiple choice. There's an event for people who enjoy reading and writing, um, creating, innovating, identifying. There are all kinds of different things that you can do in UIL academics. And so I really don't think that we just have one type of student um, who participates. Okay. Is this something that I can participate in if I'm in some other UIL competition like band or sports, or is it going to conflict? There are some timing conflicts, um, but there is no reason that we would uh, preclude students from participating in both. Last year, half of my math team that advanced at district was in band, and they had a band competition the day of the region competition, so I lost half <laughs> my math team. Um, oh, no. I'm not planning on any of our parts, but, but really students, um, because for most places, UIL academics happens outside of a regular school day. If you've got the time, if you want to put in the time, you can do it. Did you want to chime in there? You were you were starting to say something, Dan? Yeah, I was. I was just going to say it's uh, really we we try our very best in UIL, especially not to allow any of our uh, contests to conflict. As uh, the the calendar seems to get smaller every year, it gets harder and harder, but. We really encourage kids to try to do a little bit of everything. I think those well-rounded kids are the ones who are going to excel in the future. Um, it's teaching them so much time management and other teamwork and other things that they need to do. It's great if they can be on an athletic team and on an academic team and in the, in the band or choir or whatever it may be. Absolutely. Are there certain demographics of schools that this is cost prohibitive for them to participate 
And if that is the case, um, is there anything that you guys do to encourage schools that don't typically participate to be a part of this? Um, I think Atlanta did a great job of talking about kind of costs. Um, we do our very best to try to make that an, an even playing field where most of the costs are um, left up to the schools to cover, um, which they do. Uh, we have a very low annual membership fee that we do. A lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, cost is just inherently built into school because of the way our contests are built and what they're, they're uh, built on. Of course, many people can go way beyond what we offer and do many additional meets and things that uh, sometimes parents do pay for and that sort of thing that they would want to in uh, some areas. But uh, really, we do our very best to make it an equitable playing field for everyone who's involved, where it's financial um, equipment and whatever it may be. Well, that's good. What are the eligibility requirements for participation? Um, there are basic eligibility requirements for all UIL events. Um, I think there's seven or eight things, and those are just inherently like they have to be a full-time student at the school they're representing, uh, the no pay, pass, no play state law, um, been enrolled in the school for at least academic events and music events by the sixth calendar day or 15 days before the event. And athletics has a few more rules that they institute for varsity competition. So uh, it's uh, very just those eligibility rules that many they're going to have to do really for any extracurricular activity, plus mm -hmm. a few others that uh, we require for membership in UIL. Gotcha. Can homeschool students participate in this? Um, home, we are a mem we're a school member organization, and currently our membership is open to public schools and open enrollment charter schools. So it's not necessarily eligible for homeschool students at this point um, there are some organizations out there that i know do cater to uh, some private schools and home schools and stuff like that okay. and other groups okay so tell us when the uil contest season is are there any preliminary contests that happen to the main uil contest or um kind of how does how does that season go and when does it start and end um, we have an Atlanta can I'll certainly add to what they may do, but our main contest season starts in March with our district competition and goes through May, which is our state competition. Those are for the main spring events. We also have several other events that don't fall into those spring events. Um, we have some that uh, start as early as December. We have some in January and February as well. <clears throat> There's also a whole invitational meet option where schools can go to. Those really get started in January, February. And then depending on how active the schools are, there's other organizations such as math and science groups and speech and debate groups that do tournaments all year long. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Alana? Yeah, so um, we go to and at Mansfield High School, we host um, an invitational meet every year. And we really do those kind of as practice for the big spring meets that are, um, you know, the f official UIL district region state um we start as early as august september um sp specifically with recruiting our students and just kind of getting them some practice materials um this school year the earliest meet that we went to invitational meet that we went to was in october um and so at an invitational meet students still get pretty much the same experience that they're going to get at the big spring meets um but it's it's just more of a practice round. They get awards. They have the real testing environment, you know, with monitors, with um, with the same timing, the same format of the test. And so materials for invitational meets can come from several different places. There are um, different organizations and vendors who will do UIL style tests. Um, so it's the, the same type of a multiple choice or the same type of writing prompt or something like that. And then um, around December, January, we can start getting materials from UIL for those invitational meets. Um, and so December, January or so is the set A timeline. And then February, March, up until about the district meet is the um, set B timeline. And so um, there, there are lots of different places to get the materials, but it all leads up to an invitational that 
that basically mimics the big spring meets. Oh, okay. So this sounds like kind of a big time commitment. What is the average time commitment for a student? I'd say it differs per event um, and, and really per student in the same way that, you know, a student is going to put in a different amount of time on their English homework every night. Um, it depends on the coaches a little bit as well, because sometimes you end up with coaches who haven't coached that event before and they're learning, or you've got coaches who have coached that event for the last 10 years and they've got it down to a science and they know that they're going to practice every Tuesday from 315 to 355 or whatever it is. Um, but I would say for most students, it's anywhere from, you know, one to a few hours per week. I don't really think um, outside of speech and debate and theater um, for academics itself, I don't think it's as big of a time commitment necessarily as some other UIL events, such as band, choir, um, athletics. What are the other academic competitions that students can participate in that um, and how do they differ from UIL? I know, um, Alana, before we were talking and you were talking about some of the different competitions that your kids get to go to. So how are they different? Well, I would think that um, UIL has the biggest implications um, in terms of eligibility requirements and also um, kind of the payout at the end. So students can get awards and can get scholarships out of UIL. And that may be the case for other academic competitions as well. I'm just not as familiar with some of them. Um, I would say that UIL is definitely the largest in Texas when it comes to academic competitions. Um, the other ones that I am somewhat familiar with are Academic Decathlon or Academic, um, which I also competed in in high school. Um, there's academic, and then I know at lower levels, there are things like Destination Imagination, Whiz Quiz. Um, our district at least had something called Battle of the Books when I was in intermediate school. <laughs> um, but a lot of those I'm really just not as familiar with as I am with UIL. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, tell me, is UIL competition taken as an elective? It's up to districts and schools to decide. Um, some they can put it as a course offering for an elective if they've got a teacher with the capacity to hold that um some schools and districts it is done completely outside of a regular school day okay i would say most of them are outside of the school day but every uh every academic event is built on the texas essential knowledge and skills the teaks so i like to say if the school is following a curriculum that's built on the TEKS, they're really preparing kids for academic competitions in any grade level they're competing in. Yeah, and along those lines, let me ask, how does preparing or how does participation in academic competition impact them academically? As far as I think it certainly helps their um, uh, ability, gives them a lot of chance to uh, sort of make um, what they're learning applicable, mm -hmm. um, trying to cross-reference a lot of their learning. A lot of times what they're learning in history and English is pulled together in, you know, a social studies contest when they're having to write an essay about whatever's going on and whatever the topic might be. And uh, so it's just um, always a great opportunity to pull all that learning together and uh, really give them a chance to, to uh, show what they know. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about the actual contest themselves. So do all of the contests meet together or are they divided by subjects? How does that work? So in a competition day, um, all of the subjects are, all of the different events are separated. There are some that will happen at the same time just for the sake of a schedule that doesn't last 30 hours long, um, but they happen in separate places. So when we host our invitational at 8 a.m., we'll have the current events test happening in one room and we'll have ready writing happening in another room and we'll have, uh, you know, computer science setting up in the library. And then at 9 a.m. we've got this test and this test going on. And so UIL sets up um, what, what's called a conflict pattern, which um, actually is very helpful on the coordinator side um, whenever we're setting up our invitational meets or even when I was making the schedule for our district meet where there are certain events that 
cannot be scheduled at the same time because there are a lot of students who compete in both of those or different suggestions for these events can be scheduled at the same time because they're very different and usually don't have a lot of overlap. Okay. And what does a typical competition day look like? So uh, for me as a coordinator, it is a very early start, um, <laughs> usually 5.30, 6 in the morning just to, oh get my up gosh. to make sure everything is turned on and everything. But um, usually what happens, and this is what I've seen at most meets, is that registration starts around 7 o'clock uh, with the first event starting at 8. Um, and so schools are responsible for being there checked in on time with their students ready to go. Um, most schools and coaches will get there a little bit early in case there are last minute changes. Um, and then from a start time of 8 a.m. until usually the last event start around 3, 3.30, um, there are events that are just going on all day long. Um, a lot of schools will transport their students. So they'll, you know, rent vans or buses um, or use district vehicles and just kind of hang out all day. So usually, you know, the cafeteria is a big holding space with everybody. Um, mm -hmm. Concession stand, um, awards are announced in there. So we typically at the high school level will announce awards as we have results. So number sense test is the first one and it's only 10 minutes it's the shortest it's one of the fastest to grade so by nine o'clock in the morning we're usually announcing number sense awards um kind of announce them as we go and then once the last events are finishing up um we add different points together for all the schools for a thing called sweepstakes and so you get points for you know however many first place awards your school had and however many second place and so on um, and it all goes into basically an overall champion for the invitational meet. Awesome. Or now, even at the district level. Now, David, I think you were supposed to be here in Dallas for a competition um, before all of the shelter in place and quarantine happened. Is that true? That is correct. Yeah. We we're uh, going to be there for robotics. Oh, robotics. Oh, that is a huge bummer. Oh, my gosh. Did you want to add anything about uh, the competition day? Um, yeah, it's Atlanta covered it perfectly about what generally happens at the spring meet and uh, just various things like some of our one offs like robotics and uh, Congress and uh, film some of those events that we don't do uh, in the spring meet pattern. Every one of them has sort of a different sort of setup and contest day, but um, it's always just amazing, exciting and exciting to see kids in those events and what they're doing, and how well they are and how excited they are to be there. Yeah. So I went on the website just so I could see what all the opportunities there are. And so I wanted to do just kind of an overview of some of the ones that stuck out to me. Uh, David, tell us what is A plus academic. So A plus academics are all of our events, our 20 events that we have for second through eighth graders. <clears throat> and we have them divided up by grades. Um, some events are for a certain grade range of, of what they are, like storytelling's grades two through three and impromptu speakings for grades six through eight. And so uh, depending on, we try to create those for when kids would, students would be ready for those based on the curriculum that they're in and create those con contests based on their, their uh, curriculum they would be learning. Okay, so I'd love to, for you to tell us about some of these, like storytelling. You said that you participated in it, so did my uh, nine-year-old Jonathan. So what happens with that? Uh, so it's the uh, second and third graders, and really the, the purpose of the contest is to challenge uh, students' skills in listening, thinking, and speaking. So they hear a storyteller read a brief passage, and, and then uh, they have to go into a separate room and retell that story in their own words. So uh, for the second second and third graders, it can get very creative and very entertaining. <laughs> I wish I could have been a fly on the wall when Jonathan was doing yeah. this. Okay, uh, impromptu speaking, that's sixth through eighth grade. What, what are they doing with that? So it's an extempore, it's uh, sixth through eighth grade and we call it impromptu in the A-plus program. And then basically that sort of evolves into extemporaneous speaking, which is our informative and persuasive that we have in high school. But in the A-plus program, they draw three topics and they have three minutes to prepare a speech. Um, many times these are sort of historical, current, kind of can be current events and factual events and that sort of thing. But it really uh, is uh, letting them uh, have experience in their thinking, organizing, formulating clear thoughts and being able to get in front of 
a person or a room and, and uh, tell that, uh, give that speech. Okay. And uh, one act play. So I have a friend who is actually a coach for one act play. And uh, so I know a little bit about this, but tell us what that is. Oh, I was a one act play director. And that's what I did for nine years of my teaching career. Yes. So it starts in grades six through eight. And uh, also in high school, the uh, rules are very similar. And basically what it gives is a chance for students to work on all aspects of a live theatrical production that is last less than 40 minutes. So the entire performance is 40 minutes or less. Can they come up with their own content? Um, we, they, we have some, it has to be a published play or a play that's written. Um, doesn't have to be published necessarily, but we, uh, they do have, if it's not a published play, it has to go through a reading committee and get approval. Uh, we also have a list of approved plays, but we try to do, um, plays that are published. And, uh, when this all started, it's really all about plays with literary merit and, and, uh, so that we have stuff that, the uh, you know, the literary quality is what we're looking for in, in, in the contest, character development and that sort of thing. Right. So on to the high school competition, talk about the cross-examination debate contest. Well, CX debate, we call it, that's our, our abbreviation for cross-examination. We call it CX. Oh. Um, it is, it's really a policy. It's a policy debate. It's what started YL in, uh, in uh, really, and it's a team debate with four students total. There's two on each side. Um, there's a resolution that's created, a national topic. It's debated all year long. Um, each debate team is divided into, you either have an affirmative, you're either the affirmative side or the negative side of uh, that uh, resolution. And uh, really, it's looking for whoever uses the most successful principles of argumentation to win the debate. Um, it's great about teaching critical thinking, quick responses, defending worthy ideas and attach, attacking invalid points. Um, really, I think the most valuable thing in this contest, it tolerates, it teaches students to tolerate other points of view, which I think is a much, much needed in our society today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, good gravy. So often with teenagers, when you ask them a question, you get these one word answers or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so yeah. I love that it's teaching them to use their words <laughs> and to put together, um, you know, good arguments and really critically think. Yeah. Um, Young Filmmakers Festival. What's that about? Um, this is one of our newer contests, and it was created really for uh, students just to be able to create their own film in uh, whatever means necessary uh, that they have available to them. Uh, we have uh, categories, four categories of narrative, uh, documentary, documentary, uh, computer animation, and traditional animation. And so there's limits to how long those can be. Uh, the students create the film, they submit them electronically, they're judged electronically, and then uh, we have a, a state awards contest in the Paramount Theater in downtown Austin. Oh, wow. Where they view the finalists of all the films. Yeah. Um, Alana, can you tell us about some of the um, mathematics competitions? Sure. So there are, um, there are actually three different mathematics competitions. There's one that's just called mathematics. Um, it is a just a, it's a short multiple or not short, but it's, you know, a half hour multiple choice, um, but it covers everything from basic algebra, even before that seventh grade math in Texas, all the way up through calculus. Um, occasionally there's a zinger on there that's from some random college math class that I've never seen before, um, <laughs> but that, that's not common. It's stuff that um, students at a senior level should have seen at some point throughout high school. Um, there is one that is called calculator applications, um, which is basically how well do you remember some geometry stuff? And then how well do you know how to use a calculator? So it'll be these huge long you know, problems that go all the way across the page. Can you type it correctly into your calculator very quickly um, and move through the test without skipping anything or getting anything wrong? Um, mm -hmm. And so they um, that's a really unique one. That, it, that one is definitely one that students have to learn how to take that test 
outside of just knowing how to use the calculator. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third one is called Number Sense, which is um, the shortest event. It's only 10 minutes long um, and it is all mental math, but it is stuff that you would, if you had never seen the test, you would never think to be on it. What's 566 to the 23rd power? Um, which I don't even know how, how you're supposed to do that in your head. So the kids that are whizzes at number <laughs> sense, they don't make any sense to me. Um, but there there are definitely those students who just have a lot of numeracy skills. Um, and it's really cool to see how they're really good at that. Hmm. That's awesome. I think that my, uh, my nine-year-old eventually would love to do some of that. He would really geek out. And, you know, my husband's a math teacher, so that's all in their lane. <laughs> Um, David, talk about the speech and debate a little bit. It seems to have changed significantly over the years. Now they talk really quickly. Is that done in UIL competition? Well, we, we try to discourage that uh, okay. spreading that they, they uh, <laughs> come to. Um, but debate is the longest running contest that we have in, in UIL, of course. Uh, what started the first state meets now expanded into uh to include two separate debate contests, the CX cross-examination debate and the LD Lincoln-Douglas debate. Uh, we have two public speaking contests, the informative and persuasive speaking and two uh, oral performances, uh, prose and poetry interpretation. And now we, our newest contest is Congress congressional debate. Hmm. So in any of these, especially our debate contests, we really discourage the spreading. We, uh, we still, still judge it as a, a communication contest and and Very spreading that, will you define that for our audience spreading is just where in a de- debate contest where they the the team tries to put at as much information on the table as they can so that the other team basically can't defend it all or can't cover it all or will drop arguments and that sort of thing okay and they do so that really by speaking be, really really fast kind of like uh, really you know, on the the uh, commercials for the medication <laughs> <laughs> you you and I would not be able to understand a single thing that was going on, okay. but somehow the, the students involved figure it out. So. Okay, yes. But you discourage that. That's not normal for in, UIL competition. UIL. Okay, no. gotcha. I just, I think a lot of times it's not the way a an attorney uh, argues a case in the courtroom, and we shouldn't be doing that in our debate room either. So. Yes, absolutely. Um, and the last one I wanted you to address was the feature writing. Um, feature writing is one of our five journalism contests that we have at high school. Um, it's a descriptive writing contest. Um, it's really a, the purpose of it is for students to read critically, to digest, prioritize information uh, quickly, and to be able to write clearly and accurately and succinctly about a certain topic or a story that they've heard. That it would be a feature story. Of, they'd be focusing on a, somebody or something or an event. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you guys think that um, participating in academic competition is something that can kind of boost your college application and make you stick out? Absolutely. Um, I think that any sort of engagement outside of the classroom, um, as long as you're not spreading yourself too thin, it's more of a help you than hurt you kind of situation. But um, colleges recognize the UIL name. Um, And, you know, it's not just something that only your school district does or only your school does. It's a statewide program that's recognized across the country Um, and and colleges recognize the worth of the academic competition and the level, um, I guess, the rigor that students are held to for it. Um, And so I I think it goes really far on a college application. Anything to add to that, David? Completely agree. Um, I think it's probably one of the greatest advantages, just that college and career readiness that um, academic competition provides for students. Um, I mean, just the time management they learn and being able to juggle so many activities and so many things and being able to prioritize what's important to get done and finish and learn and and do. Uh, Just the recognition for student achievement, the practical training that a lot of our events give of just that higher level thinking skills analytical skills and creative skills and uh, then of course the scholarship opportunities are one of the best best things that I think it gives it just looks really good on any scholarship application not to even mention the ones that are specifically for UIL academic students right so you guys have have had some success in um, coaching teams to do well in UIL competition what do you think it takes to excel in a competition like this 
Well, I think a lot of it um, at the very beginning is just understanding the event that you're coaching because um, <laughs> they're all very different and there are um, a lot of them have very specific strategies that lend themselves well to that event. And so I think just as a coach, being able to understand your test, knowing what um, will be looked for whenever the test is being scored or graded. Um, also, UIL puts out some practice material. Um, so there, I've, for my math and calculator events, there are specific lessons. So for calculator, I've got some specific lessons that are over pre-calculus topics. Um, for all of math and science, Dr. Stevens alluded earlier to there are some some organizations that will do more specific subject competitions. We have um, something in Texas called the Texas uh, Math and Science Coaches Association, TMSCA. Um, they work very closely with some UIL writers for the math and science, and they make some practice materials. So I think having access to those practice materials um, on top of knowing your test and being able to provide those opportunities for your students to practice, to be exposed to the experience. Um, I think that, that that all goes into coaching a successful team. And David, I'm going to ask you to beat your drum, your own drum a little bit here. You, uh, how you, when you were a theater teacher and you were coaching uh, the one act play, um, you, you received quite a few rewards, uh, awards, didn't you? Uh, yes. <laughs> so kind of what, what's the secret, secret sauce here? What's the secret to success in this area? Um, there really, it's always funny. People always ask, well, how did you do it? What's the magic? And, and there's no magic formula. I think it's a lot of hard work. It's just preparation. It's dedication from your students and, and, uh, from the coaches who are, are doing the event. Um, it's just being there and then just being in the moment and, and working harder than your strongest competition that you're going to compete against. Um, and it really depends on, on the event you're, you're doing as well. And it's, of course, mine was theater and stuff, but, but ours was my, our motto was always that read, study, analyze, rehearse, perform and improve for the next round. Mm -hmm. And you just start over and you do it all over again. Mm. So uh, it's just a lot of dedication, and a lot of time and just a lot of hard work and the right, and a lot of people say the moon and the stars have to align and it has to be in your right zodiac sign at that time or whatever it is to to make the success happen. But yeah. So, so what does competition mean to these students? I know that this. You know, I was talking to uh, one of my friends who does the one act play, and she said that you know they had advanced, and then you know COVID nineteen shut everything down. So. What, what is the, how meaningful is this to these students? I think once you finally get to the competition stage, um, it's where all of the work that you've been putting in, you as a student really see the payoff. Um, you know, you've been studying, you've been practicing, you've maybe taken some practice tests or gone to some invitationals. But once we get to the big spring meet competitions, you're competing against other schools that are in the same area and similar size to your own. Um, and there is a huge sense of accomplishment to advance in the spring meet. So to be one of the students who places the most highly as an individual or for certain events um, to place the most highly as a team, it's a huge sense of accomplishment. It's a huge confidence builder um, because I'm, as with all kinds of competition, you have to want to win, hmm. you know? And so this is when you get to win. And that's a really cool thing for students. Um, I think we have to give them opportunities to win. I think we have to give them opportunities to fail and experience hardship. Um, but I think this is one of the places where they, they really see the value of hard work and dedication. Um, and that kind of, I guess, just builds a foundation for them for the future, practical application, working hard, um, setting goals i think it develops a lot of skills for students mm. that's good david anything to add to that no i think it's it's uh just uh it means a lot to, to students and uh, we're obviously in our current postponement of events and so many i mean the most the most difficult emails and communication we're receiving are from the students who are saying you know what's going to happen and 
please don't cancel. And is there anything we can do to, to just try, or should I keep studying my novel and reading my book? And you know, what is, uh, so that's when I, when you hear from so many students like that, you know, it means a lot to them. It means a great deal to them. Um, many of them are, you know, trying to come back and defend their state title or, or mm -hmm. finally get it and that sort of thing, or be the, you know, make their, even their local district team and be able to succeed there. So, I think it's just a great, it shows a lot of how much dedication people put into this and how much the students put into it and, and how important it is to them in their lives and what they do every day. Yeah. And I, I know we are on a day by day with the the pandemic and just not knowing everything is just up in the air and, you know, breaking news every, <laughs> seems like every half an right. hour. What are you able to tell these students when they have all of these questions? Do you have any idea what what the future holds as far as these contests um we tell them exactly what you just said you know everyone there's nobody no one in the world knows what to do next you know we're just living it day by day and day by day and moment by moment and just trying to figure out what's our next step to get us to tomorrow and and through next week so um i tell them just keep keep studying keep uh, you know whatever they're doing is not going to be uh, you know it's not going to be effortless. It's going to be a great opportunity and for them at some point. And that's what's so great about many of our competitions. It doesn't, they don't have to be winning. It doesn't have to be to compete in a contest necessarily. They're going to be expanding their mind and then in enriching their learning by just participating and keeping on going. And who knows what we'll be able to do between uh, now and the start of next school year. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And um, one question I have for when we are kind of back to normal. <laughs> what can students do when their school doesn't offer a program, a UIL contest that they're interested in? Um, so the we are a school-driven organization. So like individual parents or individual students can't just enter a contest. They have to be entered by their school and, and uh, that's a member of the, the University of Scholastic League. So if uh, I have a, if you have a parent out there, you have students out there who are interested and maybe their school doesn't participate, I'd highly encourage them to talk to a teacher or talk to the administration, see if it's possible for them to join. Uh, membership, uh, only our high schools pay memberships if uh, there's a high school that is in the feeder pattern of those schools. And with that high school membership, every elementary and middle school's membership is already already covered. And if you have a school that just has a middle school and they don't have a high school that they feed to or that's in their school, they just stop education at a certain grade level, they can join for a much more reduced price than a high school can. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's available to every public school or open enrollment charter school, whether the schools do it or not, is really left up to them. Most high schools do some sort of academic competition um, throughout the uh, state especially with a lot of charter schools. We have a lot of schools that just do academics and don't even do athletic competitions. Mm. So, okay. But there are a lot of middle schools and elementary schools that maybe their school district doesn't have a program yet, but they're certainly able to get it and do it and make it happen if they want to. Yeah. And, you know, we have listeners that are all over the United States and um, some even around the world. What are some at least national um, academic competitions that you can uh, recommend that they look into? Um, I'll mention some of them like uh, Academic Decathlon, uh, Destination Imagination, Odyssey of the Mind is another one that I'm aware of that uh, some of the younger students do. Um, there's a lot of other national organizations like Business Professionals of America, and the list goes on and on of just the multitude of organizations who now offer some sort of academic competition. Um, they just need to be aware that they, you know, the costs and involvement and requirements for whatever those might be. Um, but basically anyone can really probably just do a, a internet search for academic competitions and they're going to find a multitude of, of offerings and activities that they could get involved in if UIL isn't available to them. All right. Well, thank you guys. We are out of time. Um, this has been some uh, very valuable information. I hope that we are able to encourage more parents to encourage their kids to get involved because there's just so much value in, um, in just expanding your mind and challenging yourself and uh, learning about yourself. And um, you guys offer a wonderful program. So thank you guys so much for all that you're doing. 
Thank you. Thanks for covering it and uh, making it important. And especially thanks to Alana and all those teachers out there and coordinators who do what she does to uh, keep things rocking and rolling. And hopefully we'll be back up in operation before too long. Yeah. Thanks, Alana. All right. Thank you for having me. Sure. So Noggin Educational Foundation is the premier sponsor of School Days. So we always want to let you know what's going on with Noggin. Our mission is to help close the achievement gap for economically disadvantaged children by improving educational opportunities for students, supporting families, and encouraging excellence and innovation in the classroom. School Days is part of our commitment to support families by providing access to experts who offer information and resources regarding all topics that impact education. If you love this program, please consider donating to Noggin. Your gift will be tax deductible. Head to our website, schooldazedshow.com, to give today. Next week, my guest will be friend of the show, Stacy Danford. Stacy is a neuroscientist and gratitude expert. She will talk to us about practicing gratitude during tough times. Join us at 11 a.m. next Tuesday for our Facebook Live on our page, Noggin Educational Foundation. Don't forget to share that with your parent friends. And as always, head to our website, schooldaysshow.com, for more information about all that we're doing and for the resources that we've mentioned on School Days. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. And last but not least... We always want to end our show by saying that David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you would like to know more about that, feel free to email me at info at schooldaysshow.com. Have a great week and stay safe. School Days is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.